Gensaki tries to laugh off rising crime stats as violent crime surges in America. A new study shows that lockdowns had no positive impact in stopping COVID. Plus, left-wing media outlets are in a meltdown over the Freedom Convoy. All that and more, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. As you probably know, I was gone for a week, not because I wanted to, but because YouTube banned me from their platform for an entire week. No uploads, no live streaming, nothing. I was still on Rumble, and we're actually going to move toward Rumble full-time in the future. But for now, we're back, and let's get going. We're going to start with Jen Psaki, Joe Biden, and the incredible crime spree that is ravaging this country thanks to soft-on-crime prosecutors and DAs, plus the push by the radical left to defund police departments. Those leftists, like these Democrat mayors and people like AOC, actually believe that fewer cops on the street means the streets will be safer. No one buys into that. No one believes that. Poll after poll after poll shows that Americans, regardless of race or ethnicity, want more police on the streets and more police in neighborhoods. It's only the radical left who want the police gone. So, naturally, if city officials don't support police officers, and if those officials ignore violence, as we saw during the BLM and Antifa riots, then criminals will be emboldened. They will think the obvious, that if I do the crime, I won't do the time. And we have seen the results. Crime, especially violent crime, is out of control, and people are becoming more fearful of just going out and doing everyday activities. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki seems to have no clue as to what real Americans are thinking or feeling. Psaki was recently on a left-wing podcast and was asked about crime. Here's what she said. Do you remember the four boxes that you had that we had on all the TVs, right? Which mm -hmm. is on my TV right now. So right now, just to give you a sense, so CNN, Pentagon, as many as 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert. Okay, true. Same on MSNBC. CNBC is doing their own thing about the market. And then on Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what, what does that even mean, right? Um, so there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. What's scary about it is a lot of people watch that. Unreal, an alternate universe. Who is the one who is protected by White House security every single day? And she's talking about an alternate universe. Crime is up significantly in cities across America. And it's not an illusion. It's not a theory. It's just a fact. And she just laughed it off. Of course, this led to a ton of backlash. And she was asked about the soft on crime position that seems to be emanating from her and Joe Biden. Were you speaking in your personal opinion, or is that at all um, a reflection of the priorities of this administration? Because the criticism is that um, it would reflect that crime is not a priority of this administration. Well, this is what I was talking about in the interview for the full context. Uh, in the American Rescue Plan, there was additional funding 
to support local cops programs, something that every single Republican voted against. If those facts are uncomfortable, I'm sorry for people who feel they need to be critical, but the president has been a longtime advocate of addressing crime. He's never been for defunding the police. And the other fact that is never talked about in these Fox packages, maybe in this one, is the fact that gun crime is a major driver of crime across the country. So here's a question. Was the gun somehow emboldened and empowered did the gun say, hey, I could have done some bad things before, but I'm going to wait until now when all these leftists are soft on crime? Did the gun say that? Did the gun think that? Following those comments, the Washington Post actually fact-checked Saki on the claim that the American Rescue Plan had this large pool of money set aside for cops. It didn't. It was a pool that cities could use for whatever. And you can bet that left-wing cities would find other ways to spend the money. Here's some more details. Uh, that was there for the local police. The Washington Post fact checker gave her three Pinocchios because even though she said that that money was earmarked for a variety of budget plugging purposes, there's no guarantee the police would get a slice of that pie. But that's what the administration has been doing. They've been going, look, every Republican voted against the part that would have funded the cops. So we're for refunding the cops. Remember when she went through all of that? Well, the Washington Post called her on it. America's largest police union, the Fraternal Order of Police, blasted Saki for laughing off the crime surge, saying that tens of thousands of people have been victims of crime just this past month. Saki refuses to acknowledge that criminals will react to the culture of the moment. Crime was out of control in New York. Rudy Giuliani stepped in, changed the culture, and criminals got the message. Well, criminals are getting the message now as well, and that message is that it is open season on Americans. All right, next let's talk about the effectiveness of lockdowns. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. There's a new study from Johns Hopkins University that looked at the effectiveness of lockdowns in stopping COVID. Now, this study isn't the first, but it is the latest, and what it reveals is the same thing that other studies have revealed. Lockdowns don't work. We've known this for well over a year, but I think it's helpful to pass along the science, actual data, whenever it comes out. The Democrats and the left love to follow the science, right? Here's the story. Lockdowns in the U.S. and Europe had little or no impact in reducing deaths from COVID-19, according to a new analysis by researchers at Johns Hopkins University. The lockdowns during the early phase of the pandemic in 2020 reduced COVID-19 mortality by about 0.2%, said the broad review of multiple scientific studies. We find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limiting gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality, the researchers wrote. But the research paper said lockdowns did have devastating effects on the economy and contributed to numerous social ills. Amen to that. Lockdowns did have devastating effects, just not on COVID. The lockdowns destroyed people's lives. Businesses were wiped out. Suicide, depression, and loneliness all went up. And COVID continued to spread. Unchecked, unhindered. COVID has shown time and time again that it will do just whatever it wants to do. Here's more. The lockdowns have contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, 
causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence and undermining liberal democracy, the report said. Such a standard benefit-cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument, the paper concluded. The researchers said the timing of lockdowns and unintended consequences may play a larger role than expected in affecting mortality. Lockdowns have limited people's access to safe outdoor places such as beaches, parks, and zoos, or included outdoor mask mandates or strict outdoor gathering restrictions, pushing people to meet at less safe indoor places, they wrote. Indeed, we do find some evidence that limited gatherings was counterproductive and increased COVID-19 mortality. A key point to remember is that we had this information from a number of studies and certain left-wing areas of the country continue to keep schools and businesses and churches locked down. The reason is clear. It's not about safety. It's not about science. It's simply all about power. All right, next let's talk about the left's reaction to the Freedom Convoy following a word from our sponsor. I want to tell you about my friends over at World Fair. If you have a photo of your childhood home, your favorite travel spot, your hometown football stadium, whatever it is, World Fair takes that photo and turns it into a hand-drawn work of art. These sketches make great gifts, moving announcement cards, invitations, and more. So many possibilities that World Fair can do for you. And all you need is a photo. Just use the link in the description and use coupon code BOBBY13 for 10% off your next purchase. So next we have the Canadian Freedom Convoy, which has to be doing something right because those on the left, not just in Canada, but here in the U.S., are totally losing their minds. The Freedom Convoy began on January 23rd from Vancouver, British Columbia, and traveled to the Canadian capital of Ottawa on Saturday. The convoy was then joined by thousands of other protesters who are sick and tired of vaccine mandates. Well, this display of the desire for freedom is just too much for left-wing media in America. Isn't it amazing that the freedom that the American press enjoy is the same freedom that they will try to take away from normal, everyday Americans? On MSNBC, the Morning Joe program took aim at the Freedom Convoy, and here's the story. It's a cult, declared MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, co-host of the Liberal Network's flagship morning show, Morning Joe, after co-host Mika Brzezinski painted the protesters as violent vandals and criminals. She noted one report claiming a group of protesters demanded food from an Ottawa soup kitchen for the homeless because they wouldn't wear masks to be able to order food in a restaurant. That seems like an interesting way to spend your weekend, Scarborough quipped. So, these anti-vaxxers actually took food from the mouths of the homeless because they're so put upon. I'm just curious again, where were these protesters when people were required to get five vaccines to start school? Where were these protests when people were required to give their children five vaccines? They were in the doctor's office getting vaccine. It's a cult? People protesting for freedom, that's a cult. But people burning down businesses and rioting and looting and promoting violence against police? That's okay. The Washington Post political cartoonist Michael D. Adder put out this cartoon in which the word fascism is plastered on the sides of all the trucks. The tweet which included that cartoon was later deleted and D. Adder wrote on his personal blog 
that he actually supports truckers, just not the movement. Another story tweeted by the Washington Post that was not removed is an opinion piece by David Mosscrop where he compares the Freedom Convoy to Trumpist, Toxist, authoritarianist politics and adds that when protest movements are toxic, they must be denounced and resisted. Think about that for a minute. When BLM and Antifa were marching and assaulting people and burning down property and attacking federal buildings, did the left denounce and resist? No, but when people protest for freedom against vaccine mandates, then apparently that's a completely different story. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on the truckers. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Follow the science. At the same time, he's shaming people to get vaccinated so that it will protect someone else, which we know does not follow the science. All right, next, here's another case of left-wing logic, but this time it involves the education of America's children. As we've seen with critical race theory and the overall efforts by the left, one of the main tactics of indoctrination is to make everything about race. Everything is somehow racist. In California, even math is under attack because math, according to California Democrats and liberal elites, is based on white supremacy. Here's the story. California education officials are considering applying a social justice paradigm to teaching K-12 mathematics that would erase white supremacy from the subject and eliminate gifted classes for students. Proponents of new math say the way the subject currently is taught is suffused with white supremacy. They say it handicaps some minority students by insisting on what they consider racist concepts, such as arriving at correct answers. That's right, pushing students to get the correct answers in math is a symbol of white supremacy. Let that soak in for just a minute. While you do, these educators are continuing to push a math program that de-emphasizes math and emphasizes wokeness. Here's more. The social justice curriculum is an integrated approach to mathematics that centers Black, Latinx, and multilingual students in grades 6 through 8 and addresses barriers to math equity, the organization's mission statement says. While doing so, it offers opportunities for ongoing self-reflection as they seek to develop an anti-racist math practice. Teachers in particular are asked to reflect on their own biases to transform their instructional practice. You can always tell when liberal elitists are involved because you'll hear the term Latinx. Hispanic people don't use that term. In fact, Hispanics hate that term, but it sure does make the far left feel good about themselves. Math is about arriving at the right answers. It's not only about developing problem-solving skills, it's about solving problems. The left, on the other hand, wants to make it about race. No surprise there. All right, friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show 
and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Friday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is the 13-Minute News Hour.